Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. We read the verses 1 through 12. We are in what uh, liturgically is known are the 12 days of Christmas. Um, And so it comes this coming Thursday is the day of Epiphany, which is a celebration of the Magi and their coming to Jesus. And I thought it would be uh, interesting at this first service of the new year, this first Sunday service of the new year, to ask what should our purpose be? And so with that in mind, let us read from Matthew chapter 1, the verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, Herod, King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. So, how do you feel that Christmas is over, New Year's is over, and you can move on? I'm sure there's a, a sense of mixture of emotion. There, there may be a relief on the part of some of us because, you know, all the preparations have been done. The anxiety about what gift should I buy for my grandson or my granddaughter or my son or daughter or whatever or whoever. All that's over. At least we hope it's over. And, and you know, preparing for meals and deciding how you're going to cope with who to invite. Some may not be vaccinated. What do you do with that? Uh, There's stress. And now it's done. It's over. 
and no doubt there is relief. But there may also be this emotion of sadness. Pretty soon all this stuff will be stripped away. The lights will be gone. The, the ribbons will be gone. And the gloom of January will descend until the promise of spring begins to rise its head in late February and early March. And, and there's a sadness that, yeah, you know, all the stuff that we've been anticipating is gone now. And now what? It always strikes me how much time and effort we put into celebrating Christmas and how quickly we move beyond it. Because can you think of a more important person and a more important event in the history of the human world than the incarnation of Jesus Christ leading up to his death and resurrection and ascension to his coming again? I can't. Jesus is the, the hub around which the history of redemption and our history swirls and turns. And yet, it seems now that December 5, 25 is gone and, and January 1 has come and gone, that the, the concern, the focus of our culture is on Boxing Week, not just simply days, but Boxing Week sale. Pretty soon it'll be Boxing Month. And then it'll just be sale season. Because, you know, that's so important. We have to get a bargain. We have to get a break. And we just move on. And yet, when we think about the incarnation of Jesus, the coming in the flesh, he came amongst us, he tabbered amongst us, tabernacled amongst us, full of grace and truth. We, we need to spend some more time on thinking about how do we respond to his coming. And in this new year of 2022, how do we respond to Jesus being Lord of the year? This is the year of our Lord. I know that modern historians talk about it now as the common era, and before the common era, it used to be you know, B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domine, this is the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2022. How do we live in it? And I think we can learn from the wise men, from the magi who came and asked some questions. But before, before we actually ask what their purpose was, we need to recognize that culturally we have added a lot of details to the story which find no biblical basis or ground. Whenever I read this passage, I think about Christmas pageants, especially the ones that I was involved with as a little kid, and I have a nightmare about it. I have two pastoral nightmares. One time I stood at a graveside, and I was going to recite and lead people in reciting the Apostles' Creed, and I had a brain cramp, and I started with the Apostles' Creed, and I went to the Nicene Creed, and everybody got confused and stopped. And from that day forward, I have never gone to a graveside without a printed Apostles' Creed in my hand. I just don't trust my brain. 
That, that's one nightmare. The other nightmare came from when I was a little kid and I had to recite the, the three gifts and I called it gold and Frankenstein and myrrh. Uh, you think it was funny. I was terribly embarrassed. You know, just the reality of those things, pageants add to stuff, and cards add to stuff, and songs add to stuff. So how many wise guys were there? Well, the answer is obvious in the song. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traffers afar. Three? Well, there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there may have been two magi, or 20. And they may all have come with three gifts. We're not told, but we pour the content of a song into our understanding. Or we pour the content of Christmas cards into our understanding, even though it directly contradicts the teaching of Scripture. So you look at Christmas cards, and there's Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When I read the King James Version as a little kid, I thought all three of them were in the manger. I mean, that's how that's written there. But Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, and the shepherds come, and the wise men are right behind them. It's not true biblically because the shepherd or the wise men come to a house. The shepherds came to a stable or to an inn or behind the inn. But the wise men, the magi, come to a house. And Herod wants to know exactly when the child or when the star appeared. And then when he sends out his henchmen, he has all the children two years of age and younger killed. He's being very careful. He's spreading his net as wide as he can spread it. Gives you the idea that Mary and Joseph stayed in Bethlehem for a while. Joseph is not mentioned in this story. Mary is mentioned. Jesus is mentioned. Joseph presumably is out working, maintaining his family. They have been able to find accommodation in Bethlehem and the magi come there. So we need to move away from cards and pageants. We need also to move away from legends because there is a legend that there are three wise men, three magi, and their names were Malchar, Belshazzar, and Casper, and that they died within days of each other and that their bones were collected and are today found in the Cathedral of Cologne. And you can go there and look at them as relics. But there's no basis in history, biblical history, or biblical record for us to believe that. So we need to move beyond pageants and beyond cards and beyond legends and focus on what does the scripture Tell us, well, they're not kings. Some of them may have become kings at some point, but they're not kings. They are magi. They are magicians. And now when we think about magicians, we think about people with hocus pocus but, and card tricks. But that's not what these guys are. These guys are scholars. 
These guys are, are the people who study that which is around them. And they were regarded as important. They think about things that they see. If you go back in the, behind, in the back of your gray Psalter hymnals, and if you turn to the back, you'll find three confessional statements. The Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, the Canons of Dort. In the second article of the Belgic Confession, the first one having uh, you know, struggled with defining who God is, the second article asks us, how do we know all of this stuff? And it comes with two answers. First of all, what we summarize as general revelation, the creation, governance, and maintenance of the universe. And if you read Psalm 19, Psalm 19 declares, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. The Magi studied general revelation. They studied the stars. They looked to the stars for guidance. When people sailed on the oceans in days before satellites and compasses, they used the stars for guidance. It was a very well-known thing, not only on the oceans, but you could also do it on the sand deserts. Use the stars for guidance. The, the Magi studied that which was around them, and they saw this star, and, and they knew something important had happened. Now, how did they know that? Well, the second source of wisdom and information, according to the Belgian Confession, is what we call special revelation that God has declared and written down his truth and has inscripturated it. And, and we hold in our hand his written record of redemptive history, telling the story of creation and the fall, all the things leading up to the coming of Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and anticipating his coming again. The Apostle Paul says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, in wisdom, how to make right choices. The Magi came from the East. Who had gone to the East except God's people in the time of the exile hundreds of years earlier? People like Daniel and Hezekiah, whose prophecies, whose written record arises out of that time. People who had carried with them, no doubt, Torah scrolls, the, the writings of Moses, who knew the Psalms and the Proverbs and the wisdom literature like Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and so forth. And we know that Daniel and his friends devoted themselves to the study and to the application of those things. And at times when it came to eating certain foods would say no. And when time came to bow to a golden image would say no. 
And yet when times came when the king Nebuchadnezzar needed interpretation, they would say, yes, God has revealed it to us. And Daniel and his three friends came to ascendancy. And you read the story of Esther and Mordecai comes to ascendancy. These people who were shaped by the word of God, who carried the word of God, no doubt left the word of God in the east. And wise people, magi, would study that which was anticipated. And so they saw this star. And all the tumblers fell into place in their mind. And the ideas unlocked. And they saddled their camels. And they followed the star. And they came to this place called Jerusalem. And they asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews. They understood. Something important had happened. And they were obedient. They followed the promptings of general revelation. They followed the promptings of special revelation. And we live in an era where we ought to pay attention. On Christmas Day, the James Webb telescope was launched. And if it unfolds properly, we will be able to see far, far into the past like the Hubble telescope has already done. Some people are afraid of that. I am fascinated by that because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And we ought to look at it and study it and embrace it. We may have to correct the conclusions of some, but others correct our conclusions. The wise men, the magi, saw the star. They had come under the influence of Jewish scholars who had come to the East as part of the great exile. And they had put things together. And so they come to Jerusalem. And they ask a simple question. Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? And notice the response. Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Herod was disturbed. Huh. Why would you be disturbed at the birth of a king? Well, you see, Herod was very insecure. Herod was not a Jew. He was an Edomite. Herod had not inherited the throne from his father. Herod had received a throne from the Roman emperor as a reward for his service. And Herod, while he shaped or paid attention to the Jewish religious rituals, and while he rebuilt the temple, Herod was so insecure that he murdered his favorite wife, and he had many of his own sons killed rather than allow them the privilege of inheriting the throne he had received. Came to the point that Emperor Augustus and he played on the Greek words. But the Emperor Augustus says, it is better to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. And so Herod would see this person born king of the Jews as a threat. 
to his rule, to his existence, to his place, to his future. And so he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. Now why would they be disturbed? Well, see, Jerusalem was the capital. Jerusalem was the place where power and prestige and privilege, all those things resided. And when things get changed, there is instability. And cultural people, people who live in a community, hate instability. As the year unfolds through 2022, you will hear this word more and more often, inflation. You've already heard it a lot because inflation is going up. It is at the highest rate in almost 30 years. And markets hate that stuff because then, well, to counter inflation, you're going to have to pay interest rates that are higher. And when interest rates are higher, your mortgage becomes more of a burden. And you'll feel some anxiety. You do not like it when a stable system comes under pressure. A stable system is disturbed. Well, they didn't like it either. They knew who Herod was. They knew who the Romans were. And they had found a way. There would be some stability. Their positions would be secure. And so they're disturbed as well. So Herod then calls all the leaders and the teachers of the law amongst the Jews, all the wise people, and asks the obvious question, where is the king of the Jews? Where is the Messiah to be born? And they knew the answer. Micah chapter 5, in Bethlehem of Judea. They knew the answer. They probably felt pretty good about that. They had been asked a Jeopardy question. They got it right. Wow. And then Herod says to the wise men, to the Magi, well, you go to Bethlehem, that's where he is. And, and, and when you have found him, you come back and report to me that I too may go and worship him. And you ask, well, wait a minute. What does it mean to worship? We'll get to that in a minute. But think about that for a moment. What does it mean to worship? That I too may go and worship him. If this is so important... Why didn't Herod saddle his camel and go along? And the wise men of Judah or Judea, why did they not just pack their bags and go along or head to Bethlehem because the Messiah that everyone had been anticipating for so long, the Messiah is born. These magi have told us that a king of the Jews has been born. But, they don't want to disturb their lives. They don't want to change their priorities. So they just say to the Magi, well, you go look for him. When you find him, come back. And exactly when, when did you see the star rise? I've got to log that in my chronology a minute because I've got to remove the threats when they come. And so the Magi go. And they rejoice with the star and it comes over this house and... Bethlehem. 
And when they come, they find Mary and Jesus. Not the baby Jesus. By this time, he's a toddler. He's walking. He's got teeth. He's been weaned. He's probably playing with his father's tools and getting into the laundry basket and throwing it all over the place, delighting to do so, acting like a two-year-old. And these magi, they come and they bow down and they worship. Now, I sowed the seed a minute ago. What does it mean to worship? I've long advocated that we ought to teach our children when we go to, when, we, when the Sunday, that we do not say we're going to church. Because church, in our minds, is a building. You drive, oh, that's our church. No, it's not. It's your church's building. If this building floods or burns down or falls apart in an earthquake, Living Hope Church doesn't cease to exist. It just has to find a new place to gather in relative comfort. You teach your children, we're not going to church. We're going to worship. That's what we're going to do. We're going to participate in an activity. We're not just simply going to sit in a pew. We're going to participate in an activity. We are going to, and this is how I understand it, we are going to take worth something that has worth, and ship it to God. We're very much reliant today on delivery systems for gifts and food and all sorts of other stuff. Stuff that has worth because, you know, people will steal it off your porch. I think it must be worth something. You, you take it and you ship it. They come to this two-year-old boy who may be throwing clothes out of his mother's laundry basket. And she may be saying, Jesus, stop that. And they bow down. And they worship him. What do they ship to him? Obedience. Priority. You are the one we need to pay attention to. You are the one we need to think about. You are the one we need to allow to shape our lives. And, you know, if you have, at least my order of worship says that, shaped by God's word. You know, think about a potter on the wheel and you put pressure on the clay and you take a lump of clay and you shape it into a beautiful vase. You are shaped by God's word. We, we come and we say, Jesus, you, you are Lord. You have priority in our lives. We, we will listen to you and we will obey you. In the year 2022, we will listen to what you taught about the most important commandment. And if you read today, you will have read that yesterday. The most important commandment is you love God above all. And you love your neighbor as yourself. Priority. You are a priority. Jesus came to forgive you. Have you embraced forgiveness for yourself? 
Have you been able to forgive yourself as well as others? Do you see yourself as essential and valuable in the sight of God? Are you shipping your worth to God and saying, thank you, Lord, that I have been made in your image? Well, the wise men bow down and worship. They ship worth to Jesus. And then they open their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You can pour a lot of symbolic meaning into that. Gold is valuable. It is seen as the province of rulers and kings. Some people say, well, the giving of the gold was to acknowledge Jesus' role as king. And frankincense was the, or the, the source of incense, so incense is the presence of God's word and aroma and the presence of our prayers rising as words to God, emblematic of Jesus' role as the prophet. And myrrh was used for many ways, in many ways, but a primary use was to also anoint the dead so that the smell of decay would be covered. And that's the function of a priest. So gold, king, frankincense, prophet, myrrh, priest. Jesus' threefold office, prophet, priest, and king. And if you go to the Heidelberg Catechism, if you are a Christian, you are a prophet, a priest, and a monarch. Got to be gender neutral. You, you, you roll. You, you speak God's word. You intercede. I think sometimes we pour too much symbolic stuff into it. I think at heart, these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh provided the provisions that God's son needed when father and mother took him to the land of Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod. They shipped worth. And then they had a dream. They had special revelation. Don't go back to Herod. Go another route, which they did. And so once again, they obeyed. Once again, they obeyed. So we learn from the wise men, the magi, their purpose. Their purpose was to be obedient to God's revelation. Their purpose was to acknowledge God, to worship him, to ship worth to him. And now ask yourself, what's my purpose in 2022? How will I respond to God's incarnational presence in Jesus? How will I respond to God's suffering and dying on the cross and his victory over sin and death? How will I respond? Will I make him my priority, not only one day of the year or one day of the week, but every moment? Will I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Just contrast that with the response of Herod. His response can be summarized up in one word, violence. The response of the Judean wise men and leaders, again, one word, indifference, 
We're not going to change. We're not going to move. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to stay put. What will your response be? Let me issue some challenges for 2022. In obedience to God's revelation to you, understand his revelation and be ready at the drop of a hat to explain simply yet thoroughly what you believe in the gospel. Can you do that? What do you believe in the gospel? If someone asks you, do you believe the gospel? Yes. What is it? I don't know. I'll ask Pastor Steve. No, that's not good enough. You need to know. You can go back in your archives. I taught that once here. Okay? Number two. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Your unique and specific ability to serve God well in his kingdom in 2022? Are you a teacher? Are you a person who's merciful? Are you a person who has faith that can look around the corner and say it'll be all right? Are you a person who can be an intercessor? Do you know what your gift is? If you don't know what it is in 2022, I implore you, I beseech you, I beg you, find out what it is. You have at least one. You may have many more. Number three, strive in your life to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Don't resist the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, quench the Spirit, but walk with the Spirit and produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Strive to produce the fruit of the Spirit in 2022. And finally... Be implementers of God's kingdom. When Jesus came, he says, the kingdom of God is amongst you. Be implementers of the kingdom. Don't just simply think about it, discuss it, debate it. Implement it. And you may say, well, how do I start? Let me start here, just as a seed Forgive as you have been forgiven in 2022. Know the gospel, know your gifts, produce the fruit, implement the kingdom. And if you need a place to start, forgive as you've been forgiven. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for the story of the gospel. Thank you for the coming of Jesus, for his incarnation. Thank you for his death and resurrection, for the sure and certain hope of his coming again. And thank you that when he is here, that we can be assured that we're prepared to meet him and acknowledge him, not with violence, not with indifference, but with obedience and praise, worshiping and recognizing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So come amongst us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, empower us, move us.
Help us not to be complacent, but help us to be engaged. We humbly ask it in the name of our King and Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.